podcast, every week I'll share leadership thoughts, books I'm reading, or tools I'm using to teach leadership skills. I believe everyone has influence. Every family, school, church, city, country is determined by its capacity for effective leadership. So let's jump in. So last week we looked at this first step in having crucial conversations that are constructive. In that step, we ended with this picture of a swimming pool. And people who are skilled at dialogue do their best to make it safe for everyone within the meeting, within the conversation, to add to the shared pool. Joe Grinney said, the pool of shared meaning is the birthplace of synergy. And I love that because... Um, there's so much built into that. One of the elements built into creating a shared pool of meeting is we, we have to become skilled at asking questions and listening, putting our defenses down, being open-minded. And when we do that, ideas that are thought to be, oh, that's controversial or that's just off, uh, that just is totally at odds with what I brought to this. We, we allow that to go into the pool, and we mentioned, I mentioned the fact that, that all ideas, once they find their way into the pool of shared meaning of any conversation, two things will happen. Uh, we'll make better choices because we have more information. How many of us will look back on decisions we've made? If we'd have had more information, we might have made a different decision. And this ensures that as much relevant information as possible can be brought into the conversation. But number two, since I had a sense of ownership of what was put into that pool, I'm more likely to act on the decisions that are made with a sense of community, uh, unity, and conviction. And uh, I, I don't know about you because I, I know for me, as a leader, I can get living at a certain pace that I, inclines me to want to skim through conversations, get to the high points, make a decision. I'm a quick decision maker. And this has been helpful to me to know that that process of putting the pool of shared meaning in front of us has been really helpful picture for me. I, I think of in terms of visual pictures, and I think of when Clark Griswold in, in Christmas Vacation is sitting at his desk dreaming of uh, the swimming pool he's going to build with this great bonus he gets, and he's just flicking the the dive the uh, diving board on that pool. And I think of that little that picture of that pool that's right there in the middle. <clears throat> that's the picture of putting that in the middle of the kitchen table, putting that in the middle of the meeting room table, putting that in the middle of the coffee table, putting that in the meeting of, middle of your desk, and saying, "Okay, what do we need to add to the shared pool of meaning?" And this takes skill. This takes skill. That's a picture, but it takes skill to apply it. And here's the good news. Dialogue skills are learnable. They're learnable. You can develop skill in conversation that makes you effective. And people say, you know what? She's not all that insightful. She's not the most creative person. But boy, does she get things done around here. And if you look at that, as we looked at our friend Kevin last week, you'll realize it's because 
that person, he or she, is good at conversation. And most of us, we learned it. Most of us didn't grow up in families of origin that handled dialogue well. And if we don't learn these skills, we will default back to those ingrained habits. But we can learn new skills. So today we want to focus on what is the how of dialogue? How do you elicit meaningful flow into the pool of shared meaning in the midst of divergent opinions and strong emotion? And here's the question to always ask yourself when you go into a crucial conversation. Here it is. Where is my heart in this matter? Is my heart right? If your heart is not right, you will digress into manipulation, debate, withdrawal, and destructive patterns. Joe Grinney talks about two girls, two young girls who were at Disney all day long with their parents. I think it might have been his daughters, and they'd been in a hot Disney day of fun and excitement, and they had drank so many fluids, and we got back to the hotel room that late that afternoon, the they started fighting over who got to go to the bathroom first in the hotel room. And they started arguing, and they started bickering back and forth. And finally, you know, they're not getting, neither, neither one of them getting to go to the bathroom. And Joe Grenny said, finally, the dad says, and usually it's the dad who has the source of wisdom and insight. But the dad says, he says, okay, here's, here's what you're going to do. You're both going to go into the bathroom and there's going to be one rule. You're not allowed to hit each other. That's it. You're going to work this out. They go into the bathroom. He said, 25 minutes later, he hears a toilet flush. And then he hears the toilet flush right after that. And they both walk out. And the dad asks, so do you guys, do you both realize that you could have both used the bathroom 25 minutes ago if you'd worked this out in talking it out with each other? And this illustration shows what happens in crucial conversations. We lose sight of the very thing we're trying to achieve. We lose sight of our part in this that is creating unhealthy dialogue. And the first step to healthy dialogue is to stop believing that my sister is the source of everything that's bothering me. To believe, stop believing that everyone else is the source of everything that is bothering me. And the people who are best at dialogue understand that the best way to work on us is to start with me. What is my heart in the matter? Is my heart right? Now, believe it or not, you and I are rarely innocent when it comes to conflict, especially, and divergent opinion that dissolves into conflict. And the first, the first, the first, the first step is, have I set my heart right? I think about the brother of Jesus, James, who said, in James 4, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? That is so true that I, I don't really understand all the battles that are going on in my heart. And believe it or not, I bring that into the conversation. Now, the good news in that is the one person in the conversation I can change and I can inspire is me. And so where do we always, always start with the how of constructive conversation, we always start with the heart. We always start with our motives. 
And the two focuses that you have to have with this, with uh, these conversations is number one, know what you want and stick with it. Okay. And I'll explain what this means. This does not mean be selfish, but it does mean know what you're wanting. And number two, do not digress into either or choices. And so we're going to deal with number one today and number two next week. There was a CEO that that uh, Joe Grenny calls, her name was Greta. And she was presenting to her staff of dozens of managers in her large company. She was CEO of a company about a, an office uh, budget tightening. And for six months, she had told all the managers, you've got to cut back your costs. You've got to cut back your costs. But she wasn't getting ownership. She was, people weren't, the, the leaders, the managers weren't responding to her call to cut costs. Until in the meeting one day, one of the managers stood up and said, Greta, can I ask you a question? He said, I'm going to speak for myself here, but the only, the, one of the reasons I'm having a difficult time embracing your cost-cutting vision and measures is because the word is, is that you're renovating your office while this cost-cutting is going on, and I have been told the furniture alone is going to cost $150,000. Is that accurate? Now that is a crucial conversation. And right up in front of people, Greta had a choice. Do I give in to the emotion, to the adrenaline spike that is flooding through my body right now? Or do I keep on task? Do I stay with what it is I'm trying to achieve here, set my ego aside, and keep working toward that objective? And of course, the objective here is to have a of a constructive, profitable decision-making about company costs. And how she would respond to that would determine people's attitudes toward the proposed cost-cutting initiative, but would have a huge impact on what other people think about her leadership and her credibility. At that moment, does she walk the talk of being open and honest? Or is she an angry hypocrite? Now, one alternative would be her jaw tightens. She grabs the rostrum hard enough that her knuckles turn white. She could lift her right hand with her finger pointed at her questioner like a loaded pistol. And even though she hadn't said a word at that point, her body language be clear. Her motive in the dialogue is not noble. She's here to put him down. And this is one of the options we have when we're under attack. We can often stop worrying about adding to the pool of meaning, and we start looking for ways to win, to punish, or to keep the peace. In winning, we attack the facts. Well, you're wrong. It's not $150,000. And at that moment, we've changed our goal from correcting mistakes to winning. And we're going to push down that person by, by saying, well, you're not totally accurate. Here's the truth about that. And we've, we've lost our main focus. A second strategy is to punish. I'm going to harm him. I'll teach that moron never to attack me in public ever again, and we put the person down. Or we keep the peace. We choose personal safety over dialogue. And rather than say, okay, right here is a moment where 
we can add to the pool of meeting and possibly make some waves as we do so, we go into silence. And our discomfort with the immediate conflict makes us accept the certainty of bad results so that we can avoid the possibility of an uncomfortable conversation. Now, that's one option. Greta could have just given in to the adrenal surge, the fight-or-flight mechanism, and her raging desire to defend herself. And here's what Joe Grenny said actually happened. He was in this meeting. He said she initially tightened, and she raised her finger, but almost as soon as her finger rose up, like a loaded pistol, it dropped back to her side, and her face relaxed. She took a deep breath. She said, you know what? We need to talk about this. I'm, I'm glad you asked the question. Thank you for taking that risk, and I appreciate the trust that you're showing in me. And in seconds, she transformed from being a dangerous weapon into a curious partner in adding to the pool of shared meaning. She acknowledged the apparent hypocrisy in talking about cost-cutting while spending on a new office. She admitted she didn't know what the project would cost, and she asked someone to leave the meeting to check the numbers. She explained the building the office that, that they were building in the office was a response to marketing's advice to boost the company's image and improve the, the confidence of their clients. And while Greta would use the office, it would actually be uh, primarily a hosting location for marketing. But, she said, I've not managed this project as tightly as I'm asking you to manage yours, and that's hypocritical. When she saw the figures for the office, Greta was stunned. She admitted she should have checked the cost before signing the work order. And a productively candid conversation followed where participants in the meeting expressed their views about the actual propriety of the project. And in the agreement, they, moved, they, they agreed to move ahead. But they caught the, cut the cost by half in doing so. And this is the first step in having a productive conversation is stay focused on what really do we want to have happen here? What is my heart in the issue? And being able in a moment to intercept the potential entropy of the conversation because I'm able to grasp a hold of my emotions. I cannot tell you how much for myself, my leadership has changed. And I think our organizational health has been impacted because I don't get defensive like I used to when I was younger. And I can tell you as a whole that when we don't own outcomes so much, when we're not defensive, when we stay with what's, what's the point here, what's the big picture here, when we focus on that person asking questions is not my enemy, but in Greta's case, that individual actually became her ally that led to authentic, open, honest dialogue, that's when we've taken the first step in having healthy dialogue. Until next time, this is the Leadership Podcast. Thanks for listening. Tune in every week as we continue learning and growing in faith, in life, and leadership. And if this has been helpful to you, subscribe and spread the word. And I will talk to you next week.